Shalom, shalom, and welcome back to another exciting episode of our continuing shiurim in the Sefer Lukutem Moran. We find ourselves deep in Torah number 12, towards the end of Os Aleph, section number 1. If you haven't heard any of the previous classes in this particular Torah number 12, I recommend going back to ensure the building blocks of all the different concepts are firmly in place. Here we go. And this is the idea when the Torah tells us, and Yaakov kissed. We had just before this in the Kutem Moran, the verse that says, Yaakov kissed Rachel, Rachel, and wept out loud. So Yaakov, Huatana, he is that original author of the Torah Shebalpeh, L'Rachel, when he kissed Rachel, he a Torah Shebalpeh she spiritually speaking, is representing the Torah Shebal Peh, the oral tradition, and the particular new inspirational idea or halachic idea that Yaakov was mechadesh, that Yaakov was able to add to our rich heritage. And this means that there was a kiss that connected his soul, to the holy soul of the divine presence. When the Torah says, Yaakov kissed Rachel, we might be picturing on a very basic level, two people coming together. Says Rabbi Nachman, that's so far from what's actually going on. There's levels and levels and deeper and deeper that we can go with every line in the Torah, every word. In this case, Yaakov represents a Tana, someone passing down the Masorah from generation to generation, and in some cases being mechadesh, coming up with new innovative ideas that apply today, with the psak din, the halacha, based, of course, on our heritage and firmly in the halachic process, meaning whatever it is that the Tana comes up with, it is firmly within the Ikari Emuna, the foundations of our faith, and the Ikari Halacha. It's not something new that goes against our Torah, but rather adds to it. And that's something beautiful. As two people coming together, the Kedusha Ubatahara, in holy ways, to, to make that bond. Vayivek, and they wept. What does that mean? That he saw with his Ruach HaKodesh, his divine spirit, that which he came from his mouth and entered into the corpus of the Torah Shebalpeh, our oral tradition, and saw that in this exile, al that very often the serious learners of a particular generation are not necessarily the most worthy of people or the most righteous of people. Now, this concept does not sit well. We want to say and we want to believe the more a person learns, the bigger someone is in their Torah learning, the bigger a person they are. We absolutely believe in the Koach Torah, in the power of our Torah. When we learn something, it doesn't just change our brain so that we know something else, but it should change our entire being so that we become better. And Yaakov was saying part of the exile is that those two pieces may start to disconnect. Some of the commentaries in Lakutem Maran even say that Rabbi Nachman would push this power of Torah and the Koyach the power of learning Torah, had the ability even to save a person's life. It could save your life. It could and would transform you as an individual. The separation 
obligates us to ensure that our Torah learning is on the highest levels, not only of concepts, but that we're learning for the right reasons, as we've learned earlier, not to learn just to be smart, or not to learn to be able to answer someone's questions and, quote-unquote, be the rabbi of your space. The Mishnah in Pirkei Avos warns us against learning for any reason other than lishma. We learn because it's the right thing to do. We learn because we're Jews. Our Torah is our destiny. It's part of us. It's our heritage that we have coming to us. So as long as we grab it, you could imagine if a grandfather, great, great grandfather, God forbid, passes away and leaves you an inheritance. All you have to do is go to the bank to pick it up. Of course we would go to the bank to pick it up. So too our Holy Torah. It's our inheritance and we owe it to ourselves and to our great-great-great-grandparents to make sure not only we go pick it up, but we use it and involve ourselves in it in the best of ways. Continuing in the text, Nimsa, it comes out, we find, When people are learning this way, meaning in the less appropriate ways, not in the highest levels, not in the best ways, and in this gullus, one of the unfortunate realities of living in the, the exile is the power of Torah is not as great as it was before, and please God, will be again. So a combination of living in, in Gullis and not striving to learn Torah on the highest levels ensures that that Ruach HaKodesh, that divine spirit of Rachel, which we said is the Torah Shebal Peh, the oral tradition, will not enter into the kvura, into the grave, meaning the grave of the original Tana who said it, or upon whom you are basing your new psak, your new halachic idea. So that when a person is not learning for the right reasons, or is not on the level that they should be, that divine spirit does not enter into the grave of those individuals. Their lips will not move like we spoke about before. And a level of righteousness of this individual affects this process as well. If a Russia, if an evil individual is learning Torah, that level of negativity is affected and his Torah, his Torah learning, will not be as strong as it potentially could be. The lips in the grave of the Tana that he's learning from are most likely not moving. And this process and realization that Rishayim, evil individuals, might be learning Torah, and the Gullis, the reality of Gullis, of, of exile, is that the Torah does not hit necessarily in the same way that it once did. When you combine these pieces together, that's what Yaakov was crying about. He was bemoaning the fact that the primacy of Torah and the highest levels of ability to change the world, to change individuals, is not there anymore. The nature of the exile pushes a person and obligates us and forces us to dig much deeper in order to access those highest levels of, of Torah and the, and the power therein. And Rabbi Nachman continues, that sometimes the learner will say, He'll say something, perhaps a new novel idea in Torah, an exciting halacha pertaining to our day, that he says it in his own name and not in the name of the Tana whom originally taught that idea. Nimsa. So we find, that through this, 
This also is not able to enter into the Tana in his grave so that Tana's lips will not move, which means that coming together, that spiritual kiss of Yaakov to Rachel, that spiritual kiss of the learner to the Masorah, to the the tradition and the ideas going back, is not happening. Those ideas are not coming together. We're missing the mark. This whole process of learning something and that learning, the power entering into the grave of he who originally said that idea, and that's called a kiss, a spiritual kiss. This whole idea will not happen if a person says something in his own name when it's actually from someone else. If I quote a certain rabbi, but don't say the name of the rabbi and say that as if I said it, or even worse, say that I made that up, we're not going to be accessing the highest levels of spiritual power of the Koyach HaToyra. However, if and when we learn with the best of intentions, recognizing what comes from where and to whom to attribute certain ideas, and we rightfully do attribute such ideas to certain individuals and educators throughout the generations, then we are able to facilitate this beautiful kiss between Yaakov and Rachel, which we know is so much deeper, which is a kiss between the learner and the Shechina, the divine presence that exists within our Torah Shebaal Peh, the oral tradition going all the way back from student to teacher, student to teacher, student to teacher, back to Moshe Rabbeinu receiving the Torah on Har Sinai from the Almighty Himself, wishing everyone the Koyach, the strength to be able to involve ourselves in this type of Torah learning to facilitate this beautiful Dveikis, this ultimate connection between you our previous generations, our tradition, and ultimately to the Almighty. Wishing everyone a beautiful day.